This is episode 25 of the No Limits Podcast. Welcome back, and we are very glad that you are here. The podcast is brought to you by Tangle Free Waterfowl. You work hard all year, anticipating the small window of time you get to spend in the blind. How disappointing is it then to get to that moment only to have your gear fail? You should never tolerate gear failure. Tangle Free delivers gear that functions exactly as it is designed to function every time, year after year. And you have heard me say, don't waste your hard-earned time and money on gear that only lasts a year or two. Head over to TangleFree.com for panel blinds, layout blinds, decoys, and accessories. And because you are a valuable No Limits subscriber, you'll get free shipping on your entire order. Just enter promo code PASSION at checkout, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, for free shipping. Think about how much you can save on bulky, expensive-to-ship items like blinds and decoys. You save on shipping, you can buy more stuff. Head over to TangleFree.com, promo code PASSION at checkout for free shipping. TangleFree.com, TangleFree.com. Is your coffee hunter-friendly? Do you really know where your coffee comes from? Who are you really paying to get that coffee here? And what are the political ideologies and agendas of the buyers and middlemen? What if I told you there is a coffee producer that buys directly from the farmer, cuts out the anti-Second Amendment, anti-hunting middlemen, supports the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance, and has a great-tasting, full-bodied, delicious coffee? Hunter's Blend Coffee is that company. We had Mike and Paul on the podcast explaining their revolutionary approach and their direct trade model. It was episode 16. Please go back and listen to that. It was an amazing discussion. This new purchasing model has put money back into farming communities, helped open churches, made health care available, and has absolutely changed lives, not to mention helped fight terrible anti-hunting and anti-Second Amendment legislation where we need it most in the courtroom. Head over to huntersblendcoffee.com and use the promo code NOLIMITS, all one word, at checkout, and get 10% off of your order. You're like me, you're going to buy coffee anyway. Why not have it delivered to your door from a company that has your, your hunting and Second Amendment rights in mind and supports your right to hunt and save 10% in the process? Great coffee, great mission, huntersblendcoffee.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry. The Revelation Outdoors mission is to help spread the gospel of Christ through waterfowl hunting. We leverage several different mediums or delivery methods to do that either through our social media pages and our Passion of Pursuit short film series that is produced by Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry and Motion Culture Media. Our favorite way to share the way we experience Christ in waterfowling is through live presentation, either at men's events, wild game dinners, or other places where sportsmen and women gather. We have been invited to speak at events all over the country, and we absolutely love connecting with our fellow sportsmen and women and talking about how God changed our lives, not through religion, but through a personal relationship with Christ. We're not religious guys, and we stress that. We are guys just like the rest of you, and we have found that when we are able to break through a lot of the religious fog that surrounds us, we're able to show the simplicity found in God's plan of salvation. If you have an event coming up and you need a speaker, we'd love to talk to you. You can connect with us on social media or on our Revelation Outdoors website, revelationoutdoors.com. My guest today is Blake Hamilton, founder of Nature's Eye Consulting and Nature's Eye Media. 
Nature's Eye is a habitat conservation, land use, and wildlife management company, as well as a media and content creative group designed to tell outdoor lifestyle and conservation stories. Located in Lufkin, Texas. Blake and I become friends over the last year or so, and I just love his passion and heart for people, uh, nature, relationships, and conservation overall. Blake and I talk about how he developed his love for uh, conserving natural resources and habitat, his time at Mississippi State University, and how he wound up working with Mossy Oak. One of the things that I love and admire about Blake is, number one, his humility and also his faith and trust in the Lord. He's very open and honest about not only his faith, but also how during his life he has had separation from that faith, as it's kind of we all do uh, daily, on a daily basis. We have a pretty candid discussion about some of the life challenges Blake has encountered, and through all of those highs and lows, the things that never wavered were his focus on Christ and his passion for people and relationships. He's just a super genuine guy, and I love talking to him. We discussed the missions and goals of both the consulting and media side of Nature's Eye and how those offerings and services can benefit the everyday hunter and or just landowner. How can you enjoy your property more, and what's the potential of that property? We talk about the Journey Magazine, which is an incredibly beautiful Nature's Eye publication. It's beautiful all except for the issue with my photo on the cover. I don't know why Kim thought that was a good idea, but anyway, we talk about life. We talk about family. We talk about campfires and deer hunting and wood ducks and green timber mallard hunts. And Blake is just a great guy with a great family and vision for working with people in the interests of conservation and telling those stories. I hope you all can listen all the way to the end because Blake closes with a super touching call out to all of us and it's great guidance for us to live by every day. I always enjoy my con- my conversations with Blake. Uh, I just love him and his heart for other people. So please welcome to the podcast, Blake Hamilton of Nature's Eye Consulting and Nature's Eye Media. All right, all right. So we're live. We are Gordon uh, Blake Hamilton, Nature's Eye Consulting, and Nature's Eye Media. What is happening today, bro? What's going on this morning, dude? Just living the dream, bro. In 2019, dude. I know yeah. you are, man. Hey, I appreciate you. Um, appreciate you taking the time to have me on and and hosting. Oh man, I don't know. No, I've been wanting to do this for a while, dude. I'm glad that our our schedules, like Rush Limbaugh calls it, our schedules finally <laughs> uh, lined up. Dude, so, you but bet. I had you're a, back. Uh, you're back from vacay now, dude. I'm oh. back from vacay. You know, I'm from the coast, so we went to Orange Beach, Lower Alabama, last week. Spent time with the family. Saw some uh, family relatives back home. Uh, had a great time, and man, we hit it hard. I was a little optimistic. I would get back in and acclimate, slowly transition, but you know how that goes, man. It's it's ducks pond season for us. I mean, we're developing waterfowl impoundments, and that's going crazy right now. So, yeah. man, when it comes to the feathers, we put our landing gear down and rock and roll. So we went from vacation to that. So, man, I'm glad we was able to get hooked up. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about the consulting side of Nature's Eye and the media 
um, side of Nature's Eye and the, the magazine. And but just give us some background on on uh, you and I have a very similar background. But but give us kind of a background of where you grew up and uh, how you wound up where you are. Sure. Well, um, you know, to start, I'll, I'll just kind of keep it high level and, and won't, you know, bore you with the whole timeline. But I am from um, South Alabama, a town called uh, Theodore, Alabama. I'm super proud of, of where yeah, I'm man. from. I help. I think it's helped mold and shape where I'm at today, for sure. Um, went to a public school, a large school in uh, Theodore High School there, and. Um, my parents got divorced when I was uh, 13 years old. Uh, so entering, you know, middle school and high school, uh, that was a that was a tough period for me. Um, and um, man, I just I I got so entrenched with um, with learning about a work ethic, and uh, I had a guy that was at our local church inherit me um, to give me a job in construction, and I grew up. Uh, from the age of basically 14 is when I started with him, uh, 14 to about 23 years old in the stucco business and uh, laying brick and roofing. And, man, that just taught me so much about um, working with different personalities and types of people and work ethic and keeping your nose to the grind. And, you know, hard work works, basically. <clears throat> so that was my um, – that was my organic way of, of learning how to work. But along the path, along the way, going through this uh, divorce with my family and, um, you know, the whole the whole transition there and not just that, but being, I mean, going through high school and middle school is, is we all know we're discovering our path and yeah. who we want to be and where we want to fit. And my mother always said life's about choices. So I was, I was at an inflection point in my life to make some major choices. And, man, I was – I was, you know, making a dollar. Uh, so the short game was, you know, not going to college at the time. Um, so I was, I was real happy and complacent where I was and in my goals and expectations to were being met. I wanted to be a professional bass fisherman. And, uh, but the main thing along that, that, that period, man, is I found that my therapy was outdoors. Uh, my father, uh, he was not a hunter. Uh, my mother did not hunt. My grandfather did not hunt. And where we lived in Theodore, there was about 20 acres of woods around our house with a creek going through it. And for me, that was that was therapy. That was really the foundation of the outdoors. I mean, my mother enjoyed to fish, and my my father was a Boy Scout leader, and we'd go on camping trips. And that was the roots of, you know, living a nature-based life, as I call yeah. it. Um, but, you know, self-discovery of a plan and pursuit of of game you know for me that was small game that was rabbits and squirrels and finding different holes to fish and you know then begin thinking about well why are they here you know how did they get here uh how can i manipulate this habitat even on a small scale i can mic i micromanage it to make it better mm-hmm. uh for me it became therapy um but i was also learning the principles of nature at the time um so really that man, that's, there's no key to it. There's no secret. I didn't go on crazy outfitter trips. I didn't go on anything else, but just, you know, in the backyard. And that's what I fly the flag for today is to encourage people that don't sell yourself on having a hundred acres or not the top deer lease, or, you know, you didn't grow up in it, hinder you or handcuff or hold you back from what you're passionate about and you want to pursue. And so for me, 
dude, that was it. There's no secret to it. And I ended up going to junior college at a, a college on the coast called Faulkner State because um, I wanted to protect wildlife. I wanted to protect the things that kind of gave me the most peace. And for me, that was going to be a game warden. So got a pre-law degree from um, Faulkner State. Um, ended up staying there longer than I thought, just working my way through college and ended up getting a pre-business degree and a forester degree and started discovering things about forester and wildlife management. And, um, man, I became intrigued by that. You know, the fact that you can improve habitat and wildlife is a byproduct of the habitat and the way it responds. But what this was teaching me was, you know, life principles of giving back. And that combined with hard work is you know, one of the many reasons we're here and certainly mm. what I, why I get to wake up and do what I love every day. So, man, I, I finished Faulkner State. I got my first job in habitat management in 2001 uh, doing wetland delineation and invasive species control on the coast. And I, I felt good about what I do. You know, when you hold the door open for someone or you help someone jump their car off or just doing a good selfless deed, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's real. And um, for me – wildlife management was becoming real um you know everybody wasn't seeing what i was doing but at the end of the day i was sleeping really good at night and i but <laughs> i was i was working my tail off man and um i said hey what you know based on my research what do i think is the best school in the country for forestry and wildlife management because i feel like you have to have a, a understanding of the um forest and habitat in order to manage for it so my research led me to uh, Mississippi State University because um, I wanted to. I wanted to tackle both. You know, I could go after forestry, or I could go after wildlife. It would take a little longer to do both, so I wanted to do both. And um, during that period, I was working with this company on the coast doing doing habitat restoration work. Had the opportunity to go to Quebec, Canada, and live for a summer uh, with the Amish community to um, apply my carpentry skills within a uh and be a black bear guide and guide walleye and pike fishing trips um wow always you know i thought i always wanted to be a guide at the time and really it's just i enjoy being around people i enjoy being around new people and applying that work ethic to enhance their experience uh and then see enjoyment out of that so you know that's when i learned about entertainment and Mm. entertaining and, and, and just the fellowship of of what i now call the campfire experience you know some folks call it the locker room experience or yeah. whatever that may be for the for me the campfire experience is family friends and fellowship and man that's what i was discovering at that important part of my life where again i was at another inflection point of you know what do i really want to do and um i'm so blessed that i was able to discover um what i i found that I was passionate about and you know I was always keeping Christ the center of my life through this time mm-hmm. so that was man for me that was just a guiding factor my my grandmother um she was an ordained minister and she lived with us part of the time after my parents got a divorce and um you know she talked about how she would preach at her tent revivals and you know my grandfather would play the guitar and they would sing and you know, they would do praise and worship and they would preach the gospel and they didn't have anything, but they had, they had the Lord and they had each other. And man, she mm-hmm. died, she died content. And she, she left me about $2,000 is all she had to her name, but she left me that to go toward my, my education. And I just said, man, if everything she fought for and everything she believed, then I need to fly the flag for that. And, you know, first that was, that was Christ being the center of my life. And 
um, you know, my mother and, and father were believers as well. So that was that was always a guiding light. But, you know, even if it's guiding light or not, I still had the choice. And, uh, man, I got off. I got off the path like everyone did. There's, there's no denying that. Right, right. So and, that's, and that's that's real important. Yeah, that that's the important part to it. So maybe guys listening that um, say, "Oh, here they go talking about you know this." G-. Look, we are. Uh, I am never shy about my faith and how I came to find it. Um, I didn't really find it in a building. Um, my relationship was really forged. I, chasing mallard ducks which is why i started the ministry that i started but that does not mean that we are professing or proclaiming to be perfect it just means that we are professing and proclaiming that when we do get off the path when we do things that are contrary to what the lord expects us to do be it divorce be it you know whatever it is that we can go to him and acknowledge that we are far from perfect uh, and we can we can go to him and approach the throne of grace knowing that we are immediately forgiven and we are still loved and he's promised that he's not going to leave us or forsake us and what you said earlier about going to bed content and your grandmother passing content that's what it's that's what it's all about and trusting his plan that look I don't know what's going to happen next I really don't, but I know that it's it's part of God's plan, and whatever happens to me happens to me for my betterment. And if I can just accept that, then everything else is pretty, pretty, pretty easy to deal with. Man, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent, and and you know I haven't always kept the Christ the center of my life. He was always there; he never left. You know, there's no question about that. It was yep. it, it, it was all on me. You know, I take extreme ownership of that. And well, uh, you know what they say: if you feel far away from him, guess who moved? <laughs> there you go. And man, it uh, man, I like I'm, I'm like everybody else. I made a lot of made a lot of choices. You know, that wasn't so great in high school and college and throughout. And man, hey, it's. I'm in the trenches every day. That's this thing we call life. I wake up every day and have to make a choice. So, but man, I, um, you know, after Quebec, I had the opportunity to, um, enroll in Mississippi state. I struggled. Um, I struggled through high school. I had a really low GPA. I was probably, you know, probably the bottom tier of my class as I, as I graduated with class. Of One more thing we have in close common. to 400 people. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, I went to summer school every year from eighth grade to 12th grade and I'm, I'm not proud of that, but you know what? I'm I'm also not ashamed of that either. That's that's mm-hmm. my story, and man, it just it taught me about perseverance too. And um, so all these things are just during this time is is just teaching me life lessons that um, I can either absorb or or make an excuse for. And um, I, um, I I did a little bit of both at the, at the time, but um, ended up at Mississippi State. Got there, um, first semester, had the opportunity because of my experience and my old job, my old boss at the time in, in Mobile, Alabama, had a connection with Mossy Oak Corporate. I did not know at the time that I chose Mississippi State University, that West Point, Mississippi, which Mossy Oak's corporate headquarters was well, about 20 miles maybe yep. from Starkville, Mississippi. So. Mm-hmm. It was ordained or, or, you know, I feel still like it was my destiny to, to be there. And, um, 
yeah. landed a, a job at that company. I became a guide at a, a camp they had called Portland Landing in Alabama because of, you know, my previous uh, training I had as a guide. And, man, that's just fellowship, keeping a smile on your face, keeping your nose to the grindstone, hard work, and doing what you love. I mean, that's, that's no secret. That's really it. And, uh, man, fast forward, and I, I stayed at Mossy Oak for about seven years. I had the opportunity to – meet some incredible people that has shaped my life and, and reposition my life. Um, one of my mentors and teachers at the time was the CEO and founder of that company, Toxie Hayes. And um, not just him, but all the other people out there, he would always say, man, you got to have a zest for life was his mm-hmm. word for it. And man, it, I, I'm reconfirmed every day how real that is. And the dude had it. And, mm-hmm. you know, that also bled within the culture and, um, Man, I became uh, graduated Mississippi State as a forester and a wildlife biologist. I, I became a forester and wildlife biologist for Mossy Oak and had the opportunity on, on ground level of some businesses we had gotten going like um, Mossy Oak Native Nurseries and we were rebranding in a company called Gamekeepers at the time. Just a lot of exciting things in the conservation world. But for me, I was I was discovering this whole time about really how much I love the dirt, how much I love meeting new people new projects, new strategies, and um, had the opportunity, you know, where I was to reposition. Um, I got married um, my latter years there. The You know, my rock, my foundation, you know, beautiful bride now is I, I married Tasha. She was a girl that grew up in that town. And, um, man, she's just I, I I could go on for three hours about her, but yeah, you outkicked your coverage um, there. By dude, the way, it's 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 over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's no question. You know, all these all these things sound great and all that, but man, it was just you know there there's no secret to it other than Roger than, than blessings. And I also could have made choices to derail some of that too. And mm-hmm. um, but man, she she got behind me and supported me and. You know, I said, you know, my passion is I'll, my goal and still to this day is what we have as a quote in the company is to um, improve conservation on the largest scale possible and to put as much noise out there about it. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes is Theodore Roosevelt once said, uh, wildlife and its habitat cannot speak, so we must and we will. And for mm-hmm. me, whether that's improving land and having our hands in the dirt or um, – whether we do it through the lens and, and, and through the media today. So, um, 2013, yeah, yeah, no kidding. That, that's what I was going to say. That's a good transition to talk about nature's eye and kind of that jump that, that lead the fate. But before we do that, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to point out is when you are at Mossy Oak and surrounded by solid, godly men, of faith and action, like Toxie, like Cuz, like, uh, I mean, that had to be such a um, validation of your faith and that you were on the right path, uh, because I, I know both of those guys, and they are, they're, they're no joke. That's how they're wired. Absolutely, man, and I could, you know, I uh, I feel guilty just, just naming one or two of them because, you know, there's, there is a, a a wave of guys within that company that, uh, you know, Jess, Joey, Lanny, Bobby. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these different people yeah. that was impactful in, 
in, in different ways and do that's, you know, it wasn't just there, you know, at all. It was the, the network, the community, the industry, everybody you run into, everybody you meet. Um, I didn't learn to, you know, become the good at business or marketing or wildlife biology or forestry. I learned about becoming better as a person and discovering what you're passionate about and, and life. And truthfully for me, refocusing and identifying, keeping the Christ the center of my life. And, um, and it wasn't just the guys at Mossy Oak. It was the, the people that I had the opportunity to meet within the industry, whether that was a trade show, standing in the timber, reading an article. Um, and some of those guys, I never know they impacted my life. Um, but I, I still right. truly to this day believe that some of the greatest things in life are immeasurable. You know, when you, when you put out a post on your Instagram, man, there's going to be guys that sit there inflection point that's making decisions right now that you'll never meet, you know, yeah, you'll never, and you never know, you'll it. never speak to if you write an article somewhere, but it's our job. That's our way of giving back. And in this world we live in of digital media, Man, it's our way to broadcast noise about who we are and what we believe in in our story. And what we're doing on this podcast now is a way of doing that. Yeah. Man, there's there's people that I hope listen that I'm never going to have the opportunity to meet or see or hear from. And, man, that's okay. That's that's what we got to remind ourselves at the end of the day. So for me, during that moment, there were people I don't even know their names, you know, that created an impression or are impactful. But mm-hmm. I, like I said, I feel guilty naming a company or I feel guilty naming individuals and and who we who are we to take credit for where somebody becomes or where somebody is? We're a small part of their life, man. And so for me, it's it's about identifying identifying that, and for the rest of my life, remembering that and paying that forward. And dude, yeah. that's that's what we try to do every day at Nature's Eye. Yeah, yeah. So talk about making that jump from from working with guys like Bobby and Toxie and those guys at, at Mossy Oak to starting your own habitat, land use, and wildlife management uh, company with Nature's Eye Consulting. What was that like? That's got to be scary. Man, it was very scary. I, I'd gotten married. I had $78,000 in student loans. You know, you're thinking about having kids. Um, you know, just you're, you're thinking about life. And yeah. you, you're really thinking about, dude, I've and it doesn't a, stop. I've got a dream job. It doesn't I've, stop and wait for you either. It <laughs> don't stop, man. And nobody's going to do it for you. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not saying this because, you know, I'm not telling you this because we're on this podcast or we're, we're faith-based or anything. I would, I would tell anybody this, but dude, it's hitting your knees and praying about it. Um, speaking with people that you trust and mentorships outweighing things. Um, and just taking risks, dude. And yeah. there, there's no secret that I followed what I was passionate about. And you know what? I, I don't, I don't know whether everybody was supportive or not. You know, I, of course I'd love to think so, but you know, I think, you know, everybody's proud that what we do is improve conservation and, you know, sweet man, we get so caught up sometimes, not just in the industry, but in life about what pattern we wear, or, you know, what duck call we're blowing or what we're, yeah. I mean, what are you, what are you doing? You know, it's, um, you know, this is, dude, we're in the same arena together in these trenches and there's another side to this world that's not in that. Mm. So it's either collaborative and the rising tide rises all ships and it's not, but we can't, 
we can't speak out of both sides of our mouth either. It's it's real right. or it's not, dude. Right. And um, so I, f- I fly the flag for everybody that's driving conservation, man. I really do. And that was the that was the vision for Nature's Eye. You know, the name was organically grown from the vision that you have to have an eye for nature in order to manage it, in order to hunt it, in order to capture it and broadcast it through media channels. You have to have an eye for nature. And that's simply nature's eye. There's no other secret to that. And the logo, um, the logo was something uh, a friend and I sat down and sketched out. And it was something that, you know, for us wanted to carry the weight and the meaning. And if you look at it, it's a acorn with a leaf in the middle of it. And, right. Um, what that meant for me was everything that I just discussed over the past few minutes of this path that's got me to where I'm at today. And man, that, that compass, that moral compass is you plant a seed in life and man, whether that's through, uh, spiritual, uh, within yourself with others, it's through new business development. It's through new people you meet in that fireside camp It's through, um, you know, different opportunities. It's, through meeting a girl you may spend the rest of your life with it's your kids you you plant that seed and dude it's up to us to uh water it fertilize it uh basically what i'm trying to say is it's up to us to invest into that and the more we invest into that the more it can grow into something mighty like an oak tree and the center of that seed and the logo is a white oak one of the longest living species of Mm. of oaks of groups and um, dude, that's what it's about. It all starts with that seed and it becomes something mighty that we don't see in the short game. And, you know, we may never see in this life, but it mm-hmm. goes back to those things are immeasurable. But what's encapsulated around that leaf again is that acorn or that seed, because the greatest gifts I believe are the offsprings. That's the ones that we don't see. Those are people that we bring to Christ. Mm. Those are subsidiary companies. Those are being serving on the board of a business. Those are new friendships. Those are people that may listen to your podcast. You've never, you'll never meet, you know, those are people that watch in the video that you inspire them to take a job in conservation or just, just do what they love. You know, they don't have to be in conservation, but so for us, man, it's, it's planting a seed, investing into that, knowing that, you know, hopefully it grows into something long after we're gone. And dude, if it does, if it does what the principles of nature do, it's going to produce offspring of its own. And man, to be totally selfless, a lot of those you're never going to see, but just stay true north and do what you love. And so, dude, that's, that's really what we do every single day at nature's eye. And, you know, if you want to hear more about the, the dissect into what we do, I'll be glad to share, but that's, yeah, absolutely. that's us, dude. That's our foundation. And that was birthed in 2013 with a vision to improve conservation on the largest scale possible and put noise out there about it. Yeah. So talk, talk about that. Talk about what that might mean for someone that has. And so one of the things that I think was really interesting, I had Dustin Roddy on from Cash River Farms and the one common red thread that runs through all of you guys in conservation is your genuine love of conserving and it doesn't matter who it is where it is who gets the credit for it they don't care uh who 
they really just care about are we impacting in in a positive sense nature and the animals that use the 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 resources that you are now impacting and so i would love for you to talk to guys more about services that the consulting side of of nature's eye offers there's a lot of guys i found from our podcast with cash river that they think because they don't have huge swaths of land they really can't make much of an impact it's you know i I can make some improvements on my land but it really doesn't matter and that's not that's not true Uh, the more i learn about it the more i just learn it that's it's not true so I'd, i'd love for you to speak to exactly what are some of the services that you can offer on the consulting side and then we'll talk about telling that story through the media side of nature's eye sure well man the the hardest thing for me was you know trying to trying to write the script or or figure out a scalable way to if you're going to improve conservation on the largest scale possible well there's you can't just be a key man you can't be a one-man guy and really that's just teamwork and um identifying that if this is the way it's going to go, we have to have a team. So we built a team of um, wildlife biologists and foresters, environmentalists and project managers and operations managers. And there's, there's about, well, there's not about, there's, there's 19 full-time people within the company now that makes up that team that drives the ship. So when I, I talk about what we do, I just, just want to be clear. It's, it's, it's not me. It's a, it's a group and a team effort of people that, mm-hmm that make this thing happen. Um, mm-hmm. but we, we, we work in, you know, we've had the opportunity to work in about 14 different States and, um, we, we work with, um, conservation organizations like QDMA and NWTF and, um, help promote or, or spread the gospel for conservation and what we do, um, every day, to make the impact. And, and that's, I, I keep revisiting that because that's our first mission. We are for profit. So what we do to pay the bills and to build the team and to continue building the team is man, literally, if, if you name it, um, I would, I would think of us as intellectual property management. We are first consultants. We, um, work with, uh, private landowners and, and large family offices throughout those States to, um, identify their land asset and for me it could be 14 acres because of the story I mentioned earlier that mm-hmm. that was my roots to it could be some uh, you know very large acreage I mean we've got we've got stuff that's you know 40,000 acres for one client um, but that I mean you could do as much intense management micromanagement on you know smaller acreage I, I don't really measure it per acre I measured on the intensity of what we do. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, the, that's the scale of how we operate in the team. And every single day um, we're building waterfowl impoundments across that, you know, across that area, uh, green tree reservoirs, improved road systems, lakes, ponds, fisheries management, electrofishing surveys, tree planting, identifying invasive species, control invasive species, you know, so that's the, that's the applied science of it. We are, we're general contractors and we're developers in the recreational land space. Um, and that's, you know, that that's definitely growing rapidly. We have, we have the opportunity to work with probably 70 full-time contract companies, 
that are subcontractors for us as a, as a general contractor. And we have an operation manager and project manager that, that drives that for us. But we also have an in-house uh, cartographer that specializes in ArcGIS that helps us engineer and, and map out some of these things that we articulate to the client and to the, the contractors um, before we even get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we develop the management plans because you're not going to build a house without blueprints. So that's the that's really the foundational process before we execute anything is understanding um, two things: what the what the client wants, and then what the property has the ability to be. Yeah. And then we write our we we construct. We have strategy meeting with multiple biologists or foresters involved where we construct about 70 to 90 page custom development plans and then we have the opportunity if the client wants us to to execute the development on that that can be done in phases we've you know been you know year to year base working with clients or it may just be a small project or sometimes we'd be you don't need us but there's also um, a more professional side of that that we've i feel like um had the opportunity to be on the tip of the broadhead of the industry. And that's um, not only identifying what the client wants and the, the property has the ability to be, but the professional side, the diligent side of that is obviously the management plan approach. This is not a template, but um, conservation easements, mitigation banks, government cost share programs, uh, monetizing timber revenue to offset expenses, uh, really looking at it as more of an economic and a business standpoint uh, as this is an investment for these clients um, and we can in, we can execute the development of these projects but you know there's an economic factor involved into that and that was really important for me because I wanted to um, demystify the theory or thesis that um, we're just a good old boy network um, right. there is a professional side to what hunters, fishers, um, developers, uh, wildlife biologists, foresters, whatever we may do, there is a professional side of it. And with that comes discipline to act professional. And that goes back to what I yeah. said earlier. Don't, <laughs> don't hate on each other. Yeah. Um, what we're in the arena to do. So I want to, you know, demystify that. And we've, our team has helped. I feel like along with some other great companies out there, like land and legacy, write the script for, for that in this this period we're in to give back and so that's what we do man we we listen to the client have an understanding of what their vision is their objectives goals and objectives are what the property has the ability to be and we we not only create a roadmap but we have the opportunity to execute that um and now we are um sharing what what what's been built um through nature's eye media yeah, and so uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna boil that down for the guys that are listening because the things that you just man, <laughs> you you rambled off about a dozen things that if I'm a landowner, I really didn't even know existed. So if I'm a landowner and I've got whatever size piece of property, it can be hundreds of acres or it can be fifteen, twenty, thirty acres that either you lease or you just bought. I can come to you and say, Blake, I just got this piece of property. I am a deer hunter through the rut. I love to bow hunt. And then when it gets cold or the rut's over, I would love to have a couple of different green tree impoundments where I can attract 
migrating waterfowl. And then in the spring, I would love to be able to chase a couple of turkeys. And you and your staff have the ability to come out and say, here's what we think your ground will provide you based on your goals. And here is the plan that we think we should enact to help you maximize the potential of your piece of ground and see it from start to finish. Man, that you articulated that well. That's, that's the, (laughs) that's the download and it's, man, it's, it's, um, it's not really just, it's, it's not just hunting season specific. The cool thing about what we do is it's a, it's an ecosystem that's, uh, that is lived annually. It's a lifestyle is what it is. Right. You know, as soon as duck season's in, I mean, we're, we're literally planting tens of thousands of trees for, for better habitat. Mm-hmm. And we're installing, you know, hundreds of wood ducks boxes, man, we have had incredible success. One of the things that we've been so fired up in February and March this year is just the success we've had on wood duck box nesting. And oh, yeah. Hey, we know what's coming. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love standing in the timber. I love hitting the duck call. I love the campfires. I love being 20 feet up in a bow stand. You know, these things I'm spreading the gospel for, for conservation is real. But, dude, I'm I'm a hunter as much as anybody, and I, I love it. But, dude, there is – people's like during the off-season, there is no off-season, man. That's the right. that's the pay and it's forming forward. That's the cycle of life. And, man, I have three just incredible uh, girls who is – um, life has taught me about the the cycle of life and and my wife and my family and where I come from and dude it just it relates to nature in so many different ways it's it's what we are blessed to do to wake up and do every single day for a living it's what we enjoy to do in our spare time it's what we can talk about now but it's it's so relatable to the things that inspire us every day in life yeah yeah. And so guys that are listening, it's it I learn from having different leases and small pieces of property. It's way more than just throwing some ryegrass seed out or putting a food plot in and hoping that it rains. It's way more than maybe putting a water control structure in and putting water on a piece of property and taking the water off in the spring before trees start to green up. Uh there is so much more there can be so much more to it, but it depends on, on your goals. And so everything that you just talked about, I would hope that if you are a small land manager, small land owner, small, small land leasee, that you would reach out to Blake and his team to not only as Blake said, the, the hunting part of it, but man, what, what type of, what type of lifestyle will that piece of property offer you when it's not hunting season? And so the next thing I want to talk about, though, is the especially the, the part that I'm super interested in is the media, the website, social media, print, cinematography, all those different, the different services that you offer there. Because we had, we had Drew Seals on podcast a couple of weeks ago. It is still the most downloaded episode that we've had so far, just because... Drew is just such a good guy, and he is so, so talented. But there's a bigger team behind Drew on the media side. And so I'd love, to, in the in the 20 or so minutes that we have left, I'd love to learn more and for you to share more about the media side of the business 
maybe the Journey Magazine side of the business and what that's all about, because that's a whole nother branch, if you will, of services that you offer to corporations and just regular everyday people as well. Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll be glad to, you know, Nature's Eye Media is, it's simple. It was, it was really founded on two years after uh, Nature's Eye Consulting. Uh, the foundation was laid there in 2013, 2015. I founded Nature's Eye Media, which the goal was really to put noise out there about conservation and what we were doing. Um, there was really no master plan to identify how to monetize it. You know how it was going to work. It was a there was I had a vision for it, but dude, it was it was man. I think what we're doing is cool, and I think yeah. more importantly, what we're doing is what people need to hear about, and um, especially where we're at now, and, and just the you know just the the rapid growth of what digital media is allowing us to do. I'm no longer having to take out a ad in the phone book or a billboard. Mm. I can I can broadcast things out there to people like this podcast that is can be so powerful man and so that's Mm -hmm. that's what nature's eye media was founded on and in 2015 we kicked it off like like consultant we didn't have much um we had a camera a little bit of gear and yeah you can always have more gear you can always improve in quality that's that's any business and that's life but we had a purpose and um that has organically grown now to um a team, a full team of about 10 people that consists of, obviously our director of photography is Drew Seals, you know, cinematography, high-end quality filmmaking, uh, photography. Uh, we have a full-time graphic designer, a media director who has a tremendous background experience in marketing, um, website developer, manager, social media management. And, um, you know, the services we offer, it's, um, it's nature-based first. That's what we were founded on, sure. But it's also to help grow and put noise out there about other people's story and their businesses. I mean, one of our clients, we do um, the entire marketing um, program for a, a local college here, Angelina College. Um, you know, and yeah, it's not it's not the hunting industry or related, but it's it's sharing their story and it's it's growing businesses. And so we do a lot of those also that we don't really. We don't broadcast at all. Uh, hopefully, we're making a difference and improving what they do, and we're monetizing our business where we can continue to grow our team and and what we're passionate about. And man, when Drew came on uh, on board, it, it was a it was just a, a surge or a steroid shot in what we do because we was able to um, share more of what we do, and um, obviously get the opportunity to meet people like you you and i met in camp you came to lufkin we said dude yeah come to hq right. you've you've seen our we have an we have an office and we have a, a, a different lodge with a farm and man you know our style it's man yeah let's do the fireside let's throw something on the grill slow and when you're gonna be here because i know where the ducks are gonna be and where the deer's gonna be and dude that's just that's how we roll every day in our business it's for our clients and uh and our lifestyle but that's what we do, man. That's the services we offer. Um, we've got a couple more people that are going to be a huge splash for us that's coming on board that everyone can expect to hear about within the next quarter. So we're, oh, that's we're great. constantly recruiting, you know. I, um, mm-hmm. I say that because that's just a team, a team 
term because that's what we're built on. So there's exciting things in the hopper growing where we're going to be. You know, I don't have a clue, but I can <laughs> I can tell you how many waterfowl impoundments we're building right now, and I can tell you our nest success and what our fawning success is. I can yeah. I can tell you that the rest of it, man's icing on the cake. Um, but we have a, um, we also have an investment company called natural resource investments, uh, where we, uh, the company now invests in the land. We, we have the opportunity to have acquired multiple properties and farms where we can apply what we do, you know, across a couple thousand acres and, um, the opportunity to bring in, you know, folks like you and folks we've never met to, to share our story, hear their story and, and have that campfire experience. And, and we have a real estate company, uh, nature's eye signature properties in house where, uh, we connect people with land. Um, and some of that's, um, land that we've developed or improved, but really, man, the two key components, for me, what I wake up for and, and love is the Nature's Eye Consulting, the Nature's Eye Media. And you mentioned the magazine. We do have an in-house magazine that's fully designed in-house. Um, mm. All um, ads are created in-house. We write the content, the copy. Uh, that's driven through Kim Ogden. That's that's her baby. She's our media director over Nature's Eye Media. Super talented, and, too, um, dude. I'm telling you right now because that, that magazine, there's talent, an issue – there's an issue that you don't want to look at the cover on. I don't remember which issue it You're was. You're the cover boy. They got- <laughs> you are the cover boy, dude. Uh, yeah, just it, skip it's the about cover. Fifteen thousand. <laughs> yep, and it's yeah. a community-based Yikes. magazine. There was there was thirty thousand copies that goes out uh, monthly. We've we've throttled back. I think now it's about fifteen thousand. We're putting a lot of emphasis and, and effort and time into digital media and marketing. But you know we're we're nimble too. We're going to go, we're going to go yeah. to consumer demands and we're going to go to wherever we can thread the needle that we can, we can put noise out there about, uh, God first. You know, if you read the magazine, mm. it's a faith based yeah. magazine and, um, we're, we're going to continue to do that. That, that, you know, I don't, I don't know what level we're going to grow, but we're going to continue to share our story that, um, we're a faith based, based company family mm-hmm. uh friends the outdoors and dude that's just that's who we are the rest of it's the rest of it's up to him it's up to the team and it's up to whoever believes and supports what we do yeah i did want to give kim a shot because that magazine her and her team that magazine is so well put together the content is really good the the images are so engaging uh it's just a really 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 beautifully done uh publication it is so. I don't know how she, I do know how she pulls it off, man. She's she's passionate. You know, she grinds. She's a hard worker. It's it's like the rest of our team, man. It's it's all the key things. I don't think that success is always measured uh, with hours behind the desk. And um, no, it, you know, their success is because of who they are. Everybody on this whole team is that way, and um, that's why it's successful, man. To put out a to put out a magazine monthly to raise um capital for ad sales and to put out the content and get it printed design distribution i mean mm-hmm. to get that out monthly to me and to execute it perfectly on top of run everything else is insane and dude that yep. just 
honestly, that's that's all the team. I I, I don't do. I'm they they're standing on the front lines. I'm standing behind them. Mm. I'm their biggest fan and cheer them on. And that's that's the secret, man. There there is no. Secret. That's why it works, dude. That's why it works. What do you see? I know maybe you're kind of looking at all this flooding and everything else that's going on in the Midwest. I was talking to somebody earlier that really wants to go to Canada and shoot juvenile birds. And I'm like, dude, don't go to Canada. Um, if you want to shoot juvies, as Drew Seals will tell you, when we went there, there wasn't a juvie in sight, but Canada surprisingly is really, really dry across the prairie pothole region. I had John Devney on from uh, Delta waterfowl in the last podcast. And we really dug into what it may look like uh, this year because a lot of those birds are going to go back to prairie pothole regions in Saskatchewan, boreal forest, and places like that and find dry, dry conditions and maybe maybe slip back down south, North Dakota, and South Dakota where it's super, super wet. So I think that across Kansas and parts of Missouri, there's guys that are finally able to get some corn in the ground. Uh, I don't know what that means for the migration but what are your property? What what are you working on right now as far as duck habitat? Man, well, when you mentioned John, I didn't even know you knew John. Uh, oh, I've I had known the John for twenty years, man. <laughs> I've always, um, you know, those things that goes back to a measurement. Well, they don't they don't know me or, or what I do. Um, but um, I've always I've always been a believer in what they're doing and. About a month ago, I don't know if you know this, but had the opportunity to meet John. He came to Lufkin and we, he wanted to see the HQ and meet the team, and he did. And you know, first and foremost, what an incredible you know a jam up guy. He's he's a believer. Mm-hmm. He's a family guy. He's passionate about what he does, and he's dude. He's he's flying the flag for conservation. So I'm a I'm a huge fan. I, I just met the guy, and you know when you when you just connect, especially people with this industry, things organically grow rapidly and. I don't know if you know this, but John and I are, are co-speaking at the Petroleum Club in Houston together in August. Um, so we got we got connected pretty quick, and um, I'm going to be a supporter of uh, John, a supporter of what they're doing. And man, whatever he said, I would I would listen to. I can tell you my yeah. my theory on what this flood's going to do to affect turkeys and deer and invasive species and hogs and waterfowl. But the guys. The guy's got so much science-based knowledge, and in that organization, just like NWTF or QDMA, it's it's science-based. Yeah, it's it truly real. is. It's, it's real, dude. It's yeah. real, and people need to be supporting those organizations. I mean, you know, if you can't spend your time, spend a dollar. I mean, you but you, you need to do one or the other because that's what we're yeah. here for. If you can't, if you you don't have a dollar, invest your time. There's there's banquets. There's you know, meetings, there's boards to be a part of, but again, back to that selfless activity. So don't mean to derail there, but man, you mentioned John, you know, he don't even know I'm, I'm speaking on this. This is not a promotion to him or Delta waterfowl at all. It's a, it's a, um, affirmation to the kind of guy he is and the, the knowledge that I'm not sure if he shared an opportunity to listen to it yet, but mm-hmm. that's dude, he's going to answer that better. than I can, for me, you know, I don't, I, I can't project or predict what the um, 
what the flyway is going to look like. Our, you know, ecosystems and environments are so dynamic, they change rapidly. Where we're going to be at, you know, the valve may be shut off and we might see any more rain until September. Mother Nature has proven to me time and time again that she is, uh, you know, God's in control and, you know, we don't know. But I can say I I personally feel like... um, There is water standing in hardwood bottoms right now that should not have water on it and typically do not have water on it. And when a green tree reservoir is um, exactly what it is, it's live timber. It's trees that are green, which is a a term in forestry used for live timber Mm -hmm. that can have water on it. And when you put water on timber, you are submerging... um, a lot of invertebrates, which is an important uh, food source for waterfowl. You're you're uh, putting water in an area that provides cover for waterfowl. Um, you're flooding mast, which it holds a lot of carbs and fats. When I say mast, M-A-S-T, I mean mm-hmm. uh, acorns. You know, mm-hmm. the willow oaks, water oaks. Those those are important food source. So, and you're from Alabama. You're supposed to say acorns. Acorns. Yeah. Um, exactly. Check. Check. Uh, um, so um, they're they're awesome units, man. They're awesome ecosystems, but they're also not designed to have water on them in warm temperatures because, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you've ever hunted flooded timber, which I know you have, you know, we've hunted it here when mm-hmm. you came. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an awesome environment. And, and logically, you can think, we can have water on it. And some folks, well, you can't put water on oaks. Well, we're talking about two different times of the year, and they're not supposed to have water on them this time of the year. When the when sap not is dormant. not rising and trees yeah. are dormant, put water on them. Temperatures yeah. are cool, creates a great environment for ducks and, and other things. But during the spring and summer, you know, the trees are doing what trees are supposed to be doing. You've got sap flow, and you've got growing season, all the, the, the different scientific things i won't go into but the 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 logic is and the truth is you put warm water on trees during the growing season you're increasing their risk for stress and um mortality so for me i'm seeing water in bottomland hardwood areas that do not want to be there um you know we're going to lose some there's no doubt but that's also going to lead to decaying and decomposing wood which is going to increase the invertebrate count right you know so there's there's different things we're seeing i feel like um it could it could affect the nesting success i mean there's 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 water in area that i know for sure for where we're at that we've imprinted on um that there's water on area that that is nesting grounds that that should not be water there's also there's also a uh, flush of vegetation and um, herbaceous plants that is, you know, going to be palatable and important during the nesting period and during the the fawning period too. So growth and cover um, is high right now. We're seeing very high for us above average antler growth in areas. Um, I would I would put part of that toward rainfall because of. Mm-hmm. because of the quality of vegetation uh, we're seeing great fawning success right now for us that's not me just saying that in observation for that's hard data on the properties we have the opportunity to work on 
Um, I'm real curious what it's going to do for the waterfowl. I can tell you our nesting success in wood duck boxes is uh, is really well. It's it's at a it's at all time high count for us right now. So, but what what you're saying is important to identify because this is going to happen again. Mm-hmm. We're either going to hit a crazy flood or we're going to hit a crazy tr- drought that we can't control. But what we can control is. Um, putting in a wood duck box to offset some of the loss or some of the mortality. You know, there is no downside to doing good things for conservation mm-hmm. and understanding that um, mother nature is dynamic and you're going to hit droughts. You're going to hit floods and this is going to happen again. So what can we be upset about it? You know, probably, and we can debate about it, but what we can do is control, Hey, you know, what can we do to help and make it better? But it, it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm interested to hear what John says. I'm interested to hear what a lot of other people says. I'm interested to see it for myself. Yeah. Uh, but I can I can tell you where I'm going to be. <laughs> I'm going to be in the timber <laughs> watching the sunrise, whether the ducks come in or not. Well, I'll share a tree with you. Dude, we're going to do that for sure. Last few minutes before we wrap up, is there uh, – any final thoughts or anything that you wanted to add that we did not get to? Man, there is, and it, it may not be related. If anybody even listens to this, be like, this guy's way off subject. Well, I've never been blamed for being on subject. So it's okay. <laughs> I'm not bothered by that, but man, talking about life and talking about life and, and kind of what some of the most important things, um, you know, the past few years of my life has really taught me more about why we're here. I told you I had three little girls. Um, I thought I was about to lose my wife this past October. On October 31st, she went from having pain to me self-delivering. You know, obviously, along with her, my last, my, our third child, my daughter, uh, on the bathroom floor and Man, that was a scary moment. That's super abnormal. Um, and it, it, those things helped me refocus. Um, what's the most important? Why are we really here? I lost my father, um, who I was, um, who was really excited to be a grandfather for these girls I have. He's never gotten to meet my, um, my youngest two, only my oldest, and he was proud to be a grandfather, but I lost him. Um, January 11th this Jan- this coming January would be three years it seems like yesterday and man we were we were rekindling that bond and in, in, in some of those years that uh, when I was in college and things were going on that um, really wasn't um, wasn't, wasn't the same as some people may have I'm not saying it was negative or anything I'm just saying we were we were both in the trenches or the busyness of life and we were restrengthening that and Man, he died unexpectedly at a, a young age. And then I lost my grandfather um, December 10th that same year, and one of my best friends who was an Army Ranger in July. And man, it was it was tough for me. It's still tough now. I'm, yeah. It's tough for me talking about it, but it's important to talk about because, um, you know, a few weeks ago in church, there was a – that we had a guest speaker and he came in and he said, you know, you hear all through your life, everything happens for a reason. You know, how do you, 
how you tell somebody that just lost their child or yeah. lost somebody from cancer or their house burned up? Dude, everything happens for a reason. And he said, man, it's think about things as everything happens for a purpose. You know, my father and my grandfather and one of my best friends, man, they, they believed in me. They believed in my family. They believed in our kids. And, um, man, to let that die is is not what we're here for and there's going to be people that's lost loved ones that's going to lose loved ones i'm going to lose them again and that's that's tough times that people are in whether it's divorce or poverty because i've been in both you know i we we didn't grow up with we didn't grow up with much at all um it was there was many times i remember the church bringing us groceries and even people bringing us firewood um but this was past couple of years has been my first hard experience in losing losing some of the people closest to me really fast and dude I could I could soak in that or I could remember that things happen for a purpose and the purpose for me it gave me an extra gear to keep Christ the center of my life to pay things forward to share that story with others for people that is going to go through that because it's going to happen that may be going through it, but dude, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family. Sometimes it's just good to shut it off, man, and reach out to a call that somebody you've got a bad relationship with or write them a letter or spend time with somebody or dude, we got these things in our pockets called camera phones Yeah, that, um, that man, some, you know, sometimes I, I just, uh, I just look at photos of my dad and our granddad with my daughters and dude, just remember life flies by so fast and what we're doing so crazy. And we're, we're caught up in this, you know, this swift current of, of things in life. But dude, don't, don't get so caught up in that, that you don't capture the moments that you don't share the moments. You don't tell somebody love them and be there for them. And I'm thankful for all that that I did because I replay those voicemails, man. I, I look at those photos and, um, dude, that that's what we're about, man. I just, you know, I see these things and I get some credit for nature's eye and all that's great and that's cool. But, man, life's a, a walk on stage. Sometimes we're applauded for, sometimes we're forgotten, sometimes we're remembered. But, you know, I hope, you know, when my time comes, I've, I've helped conservation, I've, grown a team but you know more importantly i've i've let people know how much they mean to me and i've shared that time with them and so you know that's one thing that may be a little off subject but i think it's important to go back to those things that are immeasurable that i may never know about but i hope there's somebody that that listens that um it can help whether they're going through what i went through um or they're about to that that is a reminder of you know one of the things we're here for Man, I can't think of any better way to close this episode out than call somebody, tell them you love them. Let them know you're thinking about them. Blake, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to talk to us, man. Um, I have enjoyed the short amount of time that we've gotten to know each other. I have. Uh, it's just been a highlight of our ministry and what we do in Passion and Pursuit. It's just been a highlight of one of those things that I can point back to and say, that was that was meeting those guys was worth all of the other you know hardships that we go through 
and I promise you we're going to be on this podcast again, and I promise you we're going to be spending some time together this season, man. I really appreciate you. Dude, I'm ready. Hey, I appreciate you, man. And like I said, when you reached out, anything I can do to help um, and spread the word for what we're here for and, and, and conservation, then I'm in. Just let me know. We'll do it, man. Uh, again, thanks. And um, we'll be talking again soon, brother. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. Have a great day, man. Yeah, you too. Such great guidance and genuine heartfelt call-outs to all of us to remember what is truly important. Somewhere out there, we have someone that we have either broken ties with or for whatever reason just lost connection with. Take a minute, let them know that you love them, and maybe just let go of whatever it is that got in the way of that relationship. We're here for such a very short amount of time, and you never know when you can act as a light for someone who is in some sort of darkness. So, Blake, thank you so much for reminding us of what is truly important. I love what you and your team is doing for conservation and nature as well as life and relationships. So let's make sure we share. We share a tree this year standing in some water. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, brother. We'd like to also thank Edge Duck Boats, Tahatsu Outboards, Rite Shotguns, Apex Ammunition, and Sitka Gear for supporting Passion and Pursuit and Revelation Outdoors Waterfall Ministry. Without the help of these companies, we could not do what we do. So I humbly ask you, our listening audience, to support the companies that support us. We appreciate that. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen. It helps us continue to keep climbing up the rankings. And if you wouldn't mind, please share the show with a hunting buddy. We'd appreciate that also. And your support is showing because we were just named as one of the top ten waterfowl podcasts all across the interwebs by Feedspot. So, again, thank you all so much. Keep on listening and sharing. We love you guys. That's all the time we have. Until next episode, bye-bye, y'all.